0: Hey, this is Mark Thompson. I'm the voice of Yoda in many of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening
1: to Utini. You're listening to the Living Force. Hello there. A UTini podcast. The negotiations were short. Episode 23: A conversation with John Jackson Miller.
0: Felt a great disturbance in the force.
1: Here are your hosts. Hello there. Eric Allerson and Dr. Charles Henkel. U-tini. With no ado whatsoever, I'm going to say welcome to episode 23 of the Living Forest Podcast. I am one of your hosts, as always, Eric Eilerson. With me is one of the doctors, Charles Hankel. Hey, buddy.
2: Hey, how's it going?
1: It's going great. We are without Dr. Corey Helton this week, who is on rounds? Night shift. No. He's, he's night just, shift. He's just Thank on you. night shift. I don't know your medical third. but to replace him... <laughs> We have a far better host and renowned author, John Jackson Miller. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, glad to be here.
1: All right. If that name sounds familiar to you, then you probably know anything about Star Wars. Just to run down a few titles uh, that John has written, he has written Kenobi in Star Wars, A New Dawn, Knight Errant, Lost Tribe of the Sith, The Knights of the Old Republic comics, and more. And outside of Star Wars. You have written for Star Trek, Mass Effect, Indiana Jones, Iron Man, more at Marvel, and so many other things. But if we were to list everything, it'd be a far longer show. So we, we really appreciate you coming on to t- talk with us here for a little bit. It's my pleasure. So just to dive right in, we always kind of start this way. How did Star Wars come into your life for the first time?
0: You know, I was uh, nine years old when the movie came out. Uh, it was uh, not an easy movie to get to see. Uh, it was only on in... Two different theaters in uh, in Memphis uh, where I grew up. The theater where I finally got to see it uh, was actually the one where uh, it, it was actually right next door to Graceland. So uh, oh, wow. it's where Elvis Presley saw it too. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. He would, he would close the theater. Or the theater would close for him uh, so he could uh, see it uh, at night. And uh, it was a very strange theater too. Back in those days, the way that they decided that they were going to make uh a you know a a twin theater was basically to take a one uh, screen theater and build a wall uh, d- <laughs> right down the middle of it. So that theater was like six times longer than it was wide, and uh, it was just very strange. Uh, but I did get in to see the movie uh, eventually, and uh, that's why I dedicated the book uh, Kenobi actually to my sister. For making sure that I finally got in to see the movie after several tries when we couldn't get in. Wow, that is yeah, amazing. I guess that
1: makes sense. With, with so few theaters, I assume that once people found out what this thing was, there were just had to be lines around the block every single day.
0: Uh, that was uh, that was the case at least at the at the main uh, yeah, the the good theater rather <laughs> theater. Uh, it was in in my hometown. And yeah, I you know they they didn't have a lot of prints of the movie to be able to uh, you know put into different rooms or different theaters, and, and again, we just had a lot fewer theaters back then.
1: Yeah. Sure, sure. Now, after the movie came into your life, obviously, then you get episode five, you get episode six, and then we go through the dark times. Um, yep. How did you first come to the expanded universe? Uh,
0: well, I actually read the first uh, issue of Star Wars, the Marvel comic, uh, before I even saw the movie. Uh, oh, wow. You know, those. Those issues came out before the uh, uh, the the first three issues of the adaptation came out before the movie released, uh, and uh, actually the ones that I got, uh, I got out of one of those three-issue uh, multi-packs uh, that they distributed, uh, a, a company called Western Publishing uh, put them out under the Whitman label, uh, the labels on the bag, not the comics themselves, uh, but... You know, when you go back and look in the uh, Overstreet price guide or one of the price guides that I've edited about the various different versions of Star Wars numbers one through six, you'll see that there's this uh, this variant uh, that uh, was you know very popular. It was sold in toy stores uh, in these bagged editions. Uh, and so, yeah, I had read that even before I saw the movie. And in fact, uh, the you know, the first sort of. Uh, a you know, expanded universe element the first thing that's not in star wars which is in the comics or the novels or whatever uh that that is not in the movie uh we see that in uh the i guess it's the the uh third issue of that uh that adaptation where there's a character uh that claims to be uh jabba the Hutt, but he isn't uh he's <laughs> He's this—he's uh, this monkey-looking character, uh, and 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 really, what he is is he's—he's he's what they call a Um uh, because originally, uh, Jabba was in the script for A New Hope, mm-hmm. but he's not in the movie, and right. the artist didn't know that he wasn't in the movie. <sighs> the artist asked, "Well, you know, how should we draw him?" And they basically, as we know now from special edition, they shot the scene, but they shot it with a human stand-in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and so what they did is they said well just pick somebody uh, and so and so he picked one of the the, the Nimbinel figures the the uh the uh, you know the characters that are uh, uh, uh i can't remember can't remember which which action figure he corresponded to in the uh uh in the original uh you know kenner uh, uh toys i in fact i don't think he had one uh but but uh that character in later years because he became a running character in those Star Wars comics at the time
1: well, sure yeah.
0: uh, he appeared several times as what we used to call monkey jabba and we called him monkey jabba after we realized that he wasn't the real jabba <laughs> which was after uh, obviously after you know George Lucas had decided he wasn't the real jabba mm-hmm. right but still you know we have these stories where this character appears and so one of the fun expanded universe, uh, you know, level kind of things that happened is when they did the role-playing game for uh, West End back in the 1980s, uh, you know, one of the things that they did, and I, I can't remember whether this was Pablo Hidalgo's idea, but he certainly used him in a short story that he did. And there were there were other mentions of him. Used the Monkey Jabba character as uh, a character that, uh, we ex- they explained him by saying, "Well, every so often he would act as Jabba's lawyer, as Jabba's accountant. He would go around, <laughs> he would go around using Jabba's name." Uh, and I love that whole idea, and I love that character, and that is why the representative of Jabba in the novel *Kenobi*. Uh, is Mosep Benid. That is the name of that character. I was
2: wondering and, if that's where this was going.
0: <laughs> and that is exactly where this is going. And when I wrote a short story for the, not a short story, it's actually a novella for the Canto Bite book that came out uh, a couple of years ago, um, he appears again as the uh, the sort of the mob lo- uh, mob accountant for uh, uh, Sturg Ganna, who is if you read all the backstory uh, of Canto Bite, he's uh, you know, the mobster that uh, is, is not running the whole uh, planet, but he's, he's important. Uh, and so we were able to bring that character uh, officially, officially, officially uh, into the canon uh, you know, there in that book. So again, that is a deep dive. It's the sort <laughs> of thing that is only done by the people who are enjoying each other's works and want to... Want to bring something forward and that's really you know the expanded universe long before it had a name where it came from was it came it, you know it, it came from the authors themselves borrowing ideas from other authors um you know the 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 artists uh you know the uh the you know the artist carmine and uh, uh uh doing the star wars comics uh putting a uh you know imperial a troop transport in an issue that's on Tatooine doesn't appear in the movie, but it's a Kenner toy. Everybody has one and we put it in there and that's sort of how that stuff grows. It grows organically. Um, You know, ideas start being passed around between uh, you know, the various things. And then of course it all gets, uh, it starts to get codified in uh, what West end does. And then, you know, they send, um, they send uh, Timothy Zahn all the West End books mm-hmm. when he's starting to write uh, Heir to the Empire so he doesn't have to start from scratch. Right, And that's, that's the birth of the EU.
2: Yeah, that's, wow. that's incredible. I was not expecting to be five minutes into this and be talking about Elvis and Monkey Java. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here we are. That's what I do. That's amazing. Love it. That is amazing. So, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show that you've actually written for a ton of really big properties a ton a ton of different licenses star wars obviously that's, that's why we're here today talking about this we mentioned star trek mass effect indiana jones what draws you to those kind of properties
0: uh money uh <laughs> no, no. all right well on. well no it is a job uh it is a job yeah. i mean you're this is this is something where it's invitation only uh in the sense that uh you know you have to kind of have your your passport stamped to be able to work in one of these universes uh, you know, these are some very big toys that, you know, you know they, they you know, want to make sure that you've got, uh, you know, a, the, the ability to write about these characters uh, and put the toys back on the shelf without damaging them at the end. If your whole idea is to come in there and put your fingerprints on everything and, you know, you know change everything or do something which is against the nature of one of the characters uh, without a really good reason... Uh, you know, then you're probably not going to be invited back, or you're, you're, you you know, what you have to do might actually not get uh, published in the first place. Uh, you know, I have seen uh, you know things that people have done for various licenses uh, that did get rejected, and you know I can kind of look at them and see, yeah, this is why uh, this is this is what uh, this is what was a bit too much. Uh, you know, I the very first thing I did for either. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek that I actually submitted uh, was a short story for, uh, you know, Star Trek in, in the year 2000 had a, uh, a, a thing called Strange New Worlds, uh, which was a, a uh, it was a contest. It was a, uh, a new writer's contest where you were submitting stories. And I set a, a what I thought was a really fun story about Mr. Scott uh, and uh, I, I, I turned it in, and I got the notes back. You know, They enjoyed it, thought it was a good story, couldn't use it. And for years, I was like, well, what's wrong with it? And I realize now, looking back, besides it being something I wrote 20 years ago, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I realized that I had some elements in there where I made some just small jokes here and there or made some comedic bits that... Uh, what they said, what they implied about the Vulcans, what they implied about the future of one particular character on screen was something you couldn't do, mm. was something that, you know, defined that character's future forever. And the last thing that you want to do when you're saying, okay, this is the story. I'm, I, I've am i been hired to write a story about Luke Skywalker. At the end, he goes off and lives happily ever after and it's over. Uh,
1: right, right, Exactly. You know.
0: Or, or you know, you kill some character that might need to be around again at some point. So, yes, you, you learn that uh, you know if if you're if you're going to work in these universes, uh, you've got to kind of uh, respect the rules of the universe and play by the rules. And you know, as to as to what attracts me to the specific universes, uh, you know, they're they're all very you know they're all very different. In you know, there, there's similarities. Uh, a lot of different space operas, but each one has kind of a different vibe to them. Uh, And, you know, as I get accustomed to, uh, you know, what the, you know, what the ground rules are and what it feels like to write in the universe, I kind of get a sense of, well, this is something I want to continue doing. This is not, you know, you mentioned uh, probably at some point Mass Effect in there. You know, I haven't done Mass Effect in many years. Uh, It was good to get to do. I I co-wrote the first three graphic novels with uh, the lead designer of the game. Uh, But I, I, I pretty much... Uh, came to realize that I'm enough of a comedy writer that I like having a lot more jokes.
1: Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah.
0: And it, and it's just you know it, it is a it's a it's a dark setting in a dark universe, uh, and that's cool. Uh, but it's it's another reason that, for example, even though I'm a big fan of Alien and Aliens, I haven't really been attracted uh, to doing anything for that yet because uh, it's it's very bleak. Uh, and uh, I could certainly do evil characters. I've done Sith. I've done, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, As I,
1: we've read, absolutely.
0: I, 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 but you know, there's some there's some black humor that's in there, and, and uh, you know, you kind of you kind of get the feeling, you know, as you're working in a universe, whether it's one that you want to return to more frequently or not.
1: Absolutely, and it's interesting. You know, you bring up running in comedy so much because so much of Star Wars is is you know totally ambiguous i guess at points because you can have it be dark and emotional but there's always room for comedy and i find that with a lot of the best books i would i would say if you agree charles that are the ones that can balance that and i think that things like things like kenobi and stuff really hit us emotionally because you can go to that dark existential place but you know there's always a time where i could laugh on the next page i could have that exhalation
0: well, there's a uh, you know there's a joke a minute uh, or more in the original series uh, movie uh, A New Hope. Oh yeah. I mean while they're you know while they're you know trying to escape from the Death Star, it's uh, it's a it's a laugh riot there. Yeah. It's uh, uh, get this walking carpet out of my way, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So uh, you know they 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 do it as they go along, and the characters don't want to be there. Uh, they don't want to be together. Uh, and that is kind of what I tried to capture when I did my Knights of the Old Republic comic series, mm-hmm. is the characters were thrown together, they were forced to be together. Uh, this was not what they wanted.
1: One of the things we definitely want is to dive into a couple of your um, more higher-known Star Wars works, and we are going to do that in just a second. We're going to take a quick break. You guys are going to hear from a Youtini member, and we'll be back with John Jackson Miller in just a second.
2: Hey, Living Force family. It's Charles here, coming at you with the greatest cameo that Eric has never heard. I'm excited to announce that the Living Force Patreon is nearing launch. We've got a ton of extra content lined up for you that we can't wait to share. So, how does it work? To become a member, you'll have to choose a tier. With tier one, you'll become a Jedi Initiate. You've taken the first steps into the Order and will receive early access to every podcast episode. Or tier two, the Guardians of the Wills. You'll maintain the knowledge of the wills, which now includes all of our bonus episodes. Maybe Tier 3, the Inquisitorious. You've seen through the lives of the Jedi thanks to our behind-the-scenes content, including post-show hangouts, private Q&As, and more. Or Tier 4, the Council of First Knowledge. You'll gain access to all the teachings of the Council with our personal book recommendations, shoutouts on every episode, and a few credits off of all merchandise. Perhaps you'll seek the greatest honor of Tier 5, the Jedi High Council. You will help to literally form the future of the Living Force by guiding us with your ideas for discussions, interviews, and more. Not to mention, some complimentary swag to represent the Living Force to the rest of the galaxy. If you choose not to join us, no big deal. We appreciate each and every one of you, but we would be honored if you would join us. Always in motion, the future is, but with the new Living Force Patreon, great things are coming soon. This is where the fun begins.
1: And we are back! I'm sure that clip was great, whatever it was. So before we did our little break here, we were talking a bit about tone, a bit about comedy in Star Wars, and I wanted to bring up something um, that's a little unique to you, John, because you were able to write the first book in the new canon that kind of brought everyone into this new quote-unquote era of the expanded universe with a new dawn. So I wanted to say, what was the pressure of knowing that you were kind of jump-starting that? Was it different than... When you were writing in what we now know as legends or was it kind of just like the next job
0: well it was a job in a sense that i was actually two-thirds of the way through it before i knew they were doing anything like that uh <laughs> uh you know wow. what i well, well what i did know is it was a different process but i knew it was a different process because i was working with the producers of rebels mm-hmm. uh and uh, you know i i had some materials uh i i knew what was happening in the first season i Uh, I had several levels of people to, uh, to satisfy on it. Uh, And so one of the things that, that, that happened is they decided that that grouping, you know, bringing together at Lucasfilm, uh, the people with the TV shows and the movies and everything else, that they were going to call that the story group. And Mm -hmm. that we were describing what was going on from there forward. Everything after that is a Lucasfilm story group production. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I was working with the story group. Uh, whether it was before, whether it was before it was called the story group or not, <laughs> I can't say for sure. But right. uh, you know, obviously, work started on that book in 2013, and uh, it was, you know, it was a month before Rebels uh, debuted that our novel came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, it, it was already showing uh, sort of the proof of concept that we could do a book which dove deeply into the backgrounds of characters that had not appeared yet. Uh, and, you know, that was something which, you know, had been dabbled with beforehand, but nothing, you know, on that scale. Uh, and so, you know, as for there being pressure with it, uh, you know, most of the pressure surrounded, you know, after the announcement. Uh, right. <laughs> because yeah. it was, because it was something where obviously a lot of people cared and I had already written, uh you know, a, uh, a, uh, you know, a opening sequence where Obi-Wan Kenobi says to uh, the students that uh, you know, there are facts and there are legends and you can learn something from all of them. And people always ask me, uh, you know, whether that line came before or after, I really can't remember, but honestly uh, it, it is sort of consistent with what I was uh, trying to do anyway, and then I did go back in and I wrote an introduction to that book, uh, where I did say and, and address specifically that, you know, the stories that we love may not all fit into a single timeline, uh, but they still matter, and that's that's kind of the way I approached it. And you know, I I didn't have uh, a a completely uh, you know trouble free uh, uh, association uh, you know debut with with it. I. You know, I I, I had uh, you know the unpleasant moment with the uh, uh, fans online now and again, uh, sure. but rarely. You know, it, it never happened in person. Uh, you know, it, it you know we it was something we always kind of discussed as as being a possibility, and uh, it uh, never happened. There was a very funny moment uh, though. Uh, one of the uh, Del Rey editors when we put out the uh new dawn book mm-hmm. uh and i've never told this story before uh that i that i can remember awesome. uh, w- w- so th- here's the first when i put out the delray uh w- when delray put out the uh the new dawn book uh a month before so really the rebel story was out two months before uh the the uh, tv show or actually almost three because it was uh at san diego comic-con we did a special edition it was a print run of four or 5,000 copies of a paperback version with a different cover of a new dawn. Mm-hmm. And we had it out there and I ended up signing 4,000 copies at five days. I, I, I was not golfing anywhere after that. And what was, <laughs> and what, and what was comical after that was that, you know, by Wednesday night after preview night, people are selling them on eBay for $80 each. Of course. And it's like, folks, these are about to be very plentiful. Uh, but uh but you know, we were always you know certainly concerned about uh, about how things were were going and in one of the boxes where these books had been hurriedly printed, there was a copy of New dawn that had been massacred by the uh, by the printer uh, it was it was actually cut in half long ways <laughs> oh so so it was it was like a book it had all its pages, but the pages were about an inch across. Uh, <laughs> And and uh, one, of the, uh, one of the one of the one of the Delray staffers was away from the booth and texted how are things going. And uh, one of the one of the other staffers took a photograph of the book and said, "You you can you won't, won't believe what just happened here. There was a, a guy in a samurai suit and he came in <laughs> screaming about the EU and he just chopped one of the books in half right in front of John and threw it at him." <laughs> and that person responded and said, did we call security or whatever, but we let him off the hook. But uh, you know, the, the, the good news is, you know, that, that obviously did not uh, happen. And uh, fortunately it hasn't happened since then. There would be, you know, somebody came up to me and, and, you know, said they were, and, and I would try to, you know, you know, obviously it's, obviously I didn't make the decisions uh, about what to do uh, in, in a sense. It's, like going to the McDonald's uh, uh, counter guy and complaining that they don't have Pepsi. Uh, it's not my department, you know? right? <laughs> right. This is above my pay grade. I just work. Here. Uh, but you'll get people who have very reasonable questions, which you can kind of reason them out of mm-hmm. uh, if you if you just get into the reasons behind the decision making. Uh, you know, it, it it wasn't that Disney wanted to just put its own imprint on everything. It was you need to be able to tell these sequel movies without an opening crawl in episode seven, that is 40 minutes long
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: uh, without saying, uh, yeah, Hey, uh, Han and Leia have three kids, but not anymore. Right. Uh, all of the good stuff. And by the way, Chewbacca and, you know, uh, and all the good yeah. stuff is already gone. And, and then, so there would be that question. And then there would be the, the other question that I would, I, I got at a convention, which, uh, was we never got to see the ending for all of these EU characters. And the answer is there never would have been an ending unless uh, you're, know, you're, you're, you're talking about something that, that uh, uh, while the books continued selling, there would have been more books. sure, uh, oh, yeah, sure. And, and so uh, you know, uh, unless a character is actually killed, uh, there is every intention that that character's story is going to continue one day. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, and, and even and, if they are killed, like who's to say?
0: Yeah. I mean, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, in, in, yes, you can understand in the case of uh, a work where, uh, you know, there's, you know, it's book one of three and books two and three never come out. And there's one example of that. You know, Sword of the Jedi was never anything more than a, a proposal. Uh, and I don't know that there was actually even a plot. Uh, it, it might have only been just an agreed-upon title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but even then, that wouldn't have been—I'm betting—the last story either. No, so no. Uh, it's 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 sort of like uh, you know saying, uh, well, you know, these uh, these these DC movies have have rebooted uh, you know the the Superman storylines. Well, there certainly would have been a Superman five in the movies if if Superman four and three had been any good. Right. Uh, sure. <laughs> it's just uh it's and and so you know these characters uh they live on uh they live outside of and apart from uh you know what is written in comics what is written in novels what even appears in the movies uh these characters uh as long as uh as long as there's uh interest in the franchise there'll be more characters and so i'm beginning to think that you know thing a lot of things are going to start evolving towards you know, you, you can either do as as Doctor Who did, uh, which is to figure out a way to make everything in the same universe because we got time travel, and time travel is the trump card. Yep. Uh, and so and so that's they have a very seamless way of doing everything. Star Trek has been able to go in that direction. Star Trek is currently having those kinds of questions from fans uh-huh. as well because there's a Picard series coming out. Right which may or may not be up against previous things that have already been said about the character's future. Right. Uh, but there's time travel in that universe. Um, you know, Star Wars didn't have time travel, so they didn't have that option. Uh, increasingly, though, I'm beginning to think that the way that, that people are going to begin looking at these things is kind of the way that James Bond has done it in the movies. And that is that the stuff that counts is the stuff that we want to have count, and Man. as far as, you know, whether, you know, these are the same or different James Bonds and whether they all happened or they didn't, it depends on what we want to have happen in the story. Yeah, I mean... What serves I mean, the narrative, yeah. Sky Falls got the Aston Martin car from Goldfinger. Does that mean that uh, <laughs> that uh, Daniel Craig encountered Goldfinger? Well, maybe. <laughs> And that's something that we
2: like really like to preach here because we are all about the expanded universe legends and canon and all of it put together. And it's just like what you like and walk away from that yeah. with happiness and enjoyment. And, you know, if you don't prefer something, then just move along. It's, it's you know, pun intended, yeah. but there's, there's really nothing to be so up in arms about. But I, I do have to ask you about one of my particular favorites that you've already talked a little bit about, but uh book that is near and dear to my heart. You can see it behind me on the bookshelf with uh Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi's lightsaber. No no surprise here. I want to talk about Kenobi.
0: I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, no. I mean, genuinely, yes, there is some news that has come <laughs> that out funny. recently involving that's... Kenobi, but uh but it... That's that
0: that's fine. I my my uh my my uh social media feed has lit up every five uh, <laughs> minutes uh, for the last six years. Yeah. Uh, oh, every God. time, every time there's been any mention of any future uh, for the character involving the actor and, and, uh, every time it happens, we sell a bunch of books. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm happy for that because it's awesome. a good book. Yeah.
2: yeah, so and there and there has certainly been a massive resurgence recently in terms of news, just with what's been announced from Disney Plus, and we're gonna stay away from all of that news. But I I do want to talk about kind of the source material that that has fans you know excited in the first place in this novel. So, I mean, what was it like for you getting to write for such an iconic character, someone that is beloved by multiple generations now? in um, what kind of set that book and that character apart from other projects that you've done?
0: Uh, well, a major thing is the length of time that was involved in getting it uh, into print. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is one of those things that I, I tell the story in greater detail on uh, the, the Kenobi page. It's on farawaypress.com where I've, I've got notes on all of my previous books or most of my previous books. Uh, but I get into the fact that it was originally proposed in 2006 as a original graphic novel. Uh, it was uh, pitched as, uh, you know, the the uh, the subject line to my editor, Jeremy Barlow, was the Ben Kenobi Western. Uh, and the intent was to uh, follow in the footsteps of uh, Shane, uh, a Western movie from the 1950s, uh, you know all the all the various movies where you have the mysterious stranger wandering into town yep. where you've got the uh the man with a past uh, who is running from that past and trying to start a new life uh, and of course uh, is uh, haunted by what happened in the past and also challenged by uh, repeated uh, you know things that would draw him back into action uh, and that was basically it. And the concept always had been that it would mostly be from the point of view of the other characters with only, um, you know, in the original comic, there was only going to be one meditation uh with Qui-Gon Jinn. It, we see that meditation in the novel. It's the meditation where... Uh, the character Callie wanders into mm-hmm. uh, and overhears. Yeah. And that's how the, that's how I figured that the Kenobi name would get loose on Tatooine uh, because he certainly wouldn't volunteer it anywhere. Right, uh, right. If, he, if it had any sense. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that was going to be kind of difficult to pull off in comics. Uh, I mean, it could be done. Uh, it just would have required uh, a, a you know, kind of a mastery... On both my part and uh, the uh, the artist' part, that well, I didn't know anything about an artist because we never had an artist. And on my on my uh, from my point of view, I'm not sure I was ready yet. Uh, it, and uh, it went through several drafts. It got so long, it wasn't gonna fit in a comic book anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was too late to do for the twentieth uh, anniversary of Dark Horse and the twentieth anniversary of Star Wars, which fell into the same year. Uh, and so in 2007, uh, I put that idea on the shelf. And I uh, said, okay, you know, this, this is a good idea. It's better to save for when I'm writing novels. And I wasn't even writing novels at that point, was not until uh, 2011 with uh, the Night Errant novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 2012, when the, uh, the uh, Lost Drive of the Sith uh, collected stories book is out, Uh, I raised that idea again uh, to Del Rey at a time when, uh, you know, yeah, they were looking at uh, characters from the original series again. They were looking at, uh, you know, concepts that would not be as complicated, not be as deep a dive into uh, the EU as I had been doing. Uh, And, you know, whether that was connected to um you know any sort of uh you know uh, preference coming from Lucasfilm in advance of the sale of uh, the franchise to Disney, uh, which happened just a little you know like six weeks later mm-hmm. uh i I don't know uh i I don't know whether it was was helped by that or not. I just know that uh I was delighted when it was green lit, and I was also terrified. <laughs> that it might not happen yeah uh because uh you know fairly close to right away uh edwin mcgregor was out there saying he would be happy to go do movies or tv shows again too or not even tv shows it was still movies at that point right. uh because you gotta remember what this is um when did uh you know, when did netflix start streaming
1: oh geez that was 2012 ish 13 somewhere around there
0: so by that point, the idea of a direct-to-streaming service for um, – it's, well, it's whatever Hulu started, I think, would be when the studios were, were starting to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you know, I, I don't think that the concept of a TV series – if you were going to do something like that, you'd still be thinking ABC at that point.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh,
0: so, uh, and in fact, uh, one, of the, one of the things when, when we were doing the uh, uh, first go-round – Uh, one of the reasons that we put the book on the shelf is that uh, George Lucas had made sounds about possibly doing a live action TV series uh, set in the dark times. Uh, And so we said, well, we probably aren't going to be able to use this character. Instead, it was the clone wars that goes in there uh, or or clone wars might've even been ongoing at that point, but then clone wars does, you know, sort of start filling in some blanks. Uh, But, but yeah, I mean, when, uh, when I'm writing Kenobi, Uh, that's during that period where the buyout has been announced, Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, it's, it's not yet clear what they're going to do with any of the movies or TV shows or, or networks or anything. And so, uh, right up until, you know, when that book, uh, is printed, I have, I'm still a little edgy. Yeah, I would assume so because uh again you know i you know there's a pecking order uh, whether there is in the eu or whether there is in the you know in the in the you know in, in the franchise in terms of you know this being more important than that it's obvious that a novel is seen by people in the uh you know tens of thousands whereas a movie is seen by people in the tens to hundreds of
1: millions sure right yeah now did you since, since it was so close to the buyout did, did the words like you know legends canon because no. yeah so nothing was being thrown around so what was the first no one? and
0: and and we were never talking canon before then either mm. sure and that's that i mean except in the except to the extent that you know lucasfilm uh you know had sort of given this distinction between g canon and uh and c canon wherever they all were yeah. whatever right. whatever had been illustrated for uh, uh by by leland chi for the for the purposes of the the the, the people at Wikipedia uh, right. that, you know, there is sort of this distinction between what George has said and then what we've said and anything that we say is overruled by what George said. And then there's the stuff that's sort of conjecture uh, that's, that's not even there yet. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, certainly no. I mean, it was simply that it, it was, it was not that my story might be overruled. It was more that, it, you know, you would not want two things at the competing space.
1: Sure, right. Yeah, and, and we actually, we, we put Kenobi in our um, foundational five books on Utini. We'd say, if you, you know, you're just getting into the books, here's the five to start with. And we put Kenobi in there, obviously for its quality as a whole, but I think that the fact that you don't need to know about the Legends timeline, the canon timeline, whatever it is, because it's such an individual yeah. story, you know, yeah, you... this character.
0: You uh, you only have to have seen Star Star Wars, and it's not even necessary to have seen Episode Three. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: absolutely. Which is and, fantastic. And I have I have so many questions. I I know we're we're definitely going to be respectful of your time. I could probably talk to you for hours about Kenobi specifically, <laughs> but uh, I'll I'll spare you that, and maybe we can have you back sometime. But one really big question that I've always had, and I'm really pleased that I have the opportunity to ask you is. I thought it was a really interesting decision to have all of those meditations between or really with Obi-Wan, hoping to commune with Qui-Gon throughout the book. And I kept just waiting for that moment when I first read the book when he was really going to get that answer. And he doesn't really, right? I mean, he he never really gets to commune with Qui-Gon like we understand that maybe Yoda had. And I guess my, my biggest question is what led you to that decision And in, in in your mind why was it that Qui-Gon never responded to
0: Obi-Wan Well there's a couple of things I want to say about the the meditations sure. um one is that expanding them was the idea of Jennifer Heddle, mm-hmm. the uh, fiction editor at Lucasfilm uh, and she's uh, she blogged about this the day the novel came out that or the week the novel came out that uh yeah she felt that we needed to have a little bit more time with Obi Wan, uh, where somebody could actually talk to us about what was going on elsewhere in the galaxy, mm-hmm. because obviously uh, nobody on Tatooine knew. Um, and so, you know, that that was something where I embraced that immediately. Said that's perfect. I will put it uh, as uh, you know as interstitials in between uh, certain sections. There's really one with every. Uh, after every Obi-Wan sequence where he appears. Uh, and so so we have that. As to why he didn't get Qui-Gon on the phone, uh, I would love to say that it was, uh, you know, it, it, in the outset, a decision that was creative in the sense that, oh, you know, this has to be up to him. This is about him learning how to be alone. Mm-hmm. And that is how it functionally works uh it, it it it's satisfying that way however if you read the uh the kenobi page on farawaypress.com you'll see that uh there was a book called dark lord that james lucino had written where obi-wan kenobi discovers who um darth vader is while he's at a uh a uh a, a, a he sees it on tv
2: essentially right
0: yeah, yeah, he sees it on TV essentially, and and he and he and he walks out in the alley, and um, Qui Gon talks to him, and there's some sort of a line in there where Obi Wan says, "You haven't talked to me before. Uh, why haven't you talked to me before? This is the first time you've talked to me." Uh, and uh, and that bit, that not, that moment, uh, was something I had to contend with cause I was still in the EU and also it got picked up by Ryder Windham, Ryder Windham when he was writing the uh, life and times of Obi-Wan Kenobi or life and legend of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was a scholastic book mm-hmm. that sort of summarized every moment of his life. That also said that that was the first time that they had talked. And um, so I wrote it all honoring that. And then I got to the moment in there where I realized, Oh geez, the adaptation for episode three says that they did talk.
1: <laughs> and, oh my god, that's right.
0: And so wow. I just I and so I had to put in a, a line either <laughs> halfway acknowledging that or assuaging that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, this thing is a moving target. Sure. It's always a moving target. Right. It was the case though that I do feel that him not talking to Qui Gon. Uh, was the or not getting a response was the right way to go, uh, because uh, it first of all it made easier the whole sequence where he's overheard, uh, it, because you know she, you know, she was only in the original in the original original it was going to be uh, the equivalent character to Annalene that was going to overhear mm-hmm. it uh, in that version of the plot, uh, but it turned out to be her daughter in the one that we went with. Uh, and, uh, and it would have been one of those things where he's talking to somebody who's not responding because she wasn't going to be able to hear him talking. I also had to decide that the meditations had to be out loud. Uh, he's still, he's still trying to figure out how to talk. Um, you know, she would not be able to hear a force ghost talking and she would not be able to hear him meditating unless he's talking out loud. So I had to have a line in there, even there saying, Well, I'm going to try talking out loud for a while. See if this works any better. Uh, Well, that's a, that's a mechanical thing I did, but I had to do it because otherwise she wouldn't be able to hear it. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that we did it that way. I absolutely ripped off for myself uh, the idea of the meditation as sort of an interstitial uh, in the most recent novel I have on the shelves, which is, a great book for people who have not read other Star Trek novels uh, uh, or even seen the Discovery show but just want to find a place to get into it. Uh, A book called Star Trek Discovery The Enterprise War uh, is about where uh, Captain Pike and Spock were during the first season of Discovery where they were during the Klingon War. It doesn't matter if you haven't seen that season because those characters haven't seen it either. They were... were, uh, (laughs) They were away someplace else in their own war. Spock is isolated for most of it, and of course he's a loner. Right. So we have these multiple meditations where he is talking uh, to himself, not to Qui-Gon. that would be very strange <laughs> uh, but uh, but where he is he is elaborating on his thoughts uh, and uh, and these moments are in uh, in the book throughout, and uh, wow. I figure I figure, hey, it worked once. Uh, let's do it again.
1: Why not, right? It was so successful, obviously. Well, that's awesome. Now, as, as Charles said, we could go on forever, but I do want to uh, let you get out of right here, here for a second. We have w- one more thing I want to ask you, um, kind of related to this in a way. You know, Obi-Wan and Kenobi, such a part of it is about his legacy and what he's leaving behind and what the Jedi meant and all this kind of stuff. And we tend to ask guests that we have on this show, and we're going to do the same to you, what would you like your legacy in Star Wars to be? You, you've added so much both to the legends, the canon, just all these different stories. You've added so much perspective and so much interest for fans. You know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road, what would you like your personal legacy to be in this universe?
0: I feel like I served the role of a, a scout leader uh, leading uh the kids through the the forest i've i've referred to various franchises as being uh you know like national parks where you you try not to foul them up uh and i guess what i'd I'd like to say is that I, i tried to lead people on some fun adventures uh in whatever the franchise was uh that i tried to make sure that i had fun and that they were fun for the readers as well uh hopefully also Uh, you know, they were maybe a little smarter after they got done. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not somebody who, uh, ever, uh, you know, in my online personas or at conventions, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't share a lot about what I think about the world or anything else except in my books. Uh, and it might not be my thoughts. It might be some other character's thoughts. I might be playing the role of a different character in history when I'm having these thoughts. Right. Uh, right. you know, I, I, I try to, um, I try to use this tool that is the, uh, that is, uh, science fiction, that's fantasy, that's comics, whatever it happens to be, uh, to kind of, uh, you know, bridge the divide between people. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, certainly, uh, Educate, but also to entertain them. Uh, mm. You know, this this thing is, is all about uh, prolonging the experience uh, that people had when they were watching the movies originally, when they were watching the TV show originally, even in the case of Star Trek. The tie-ins are all about, uh, you know, expanding on the good feelings that you had, the good ideas that were there, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, giving people who may be facing challenges, uh, you know, some additions, additional solace, uh, you know, that that's kind of the nobility. If there is any nobility in what we're doing here, Uh, but otherwise, you know, none of it makes any sense unless it's fun. And, uh, and that's, that's what I try to do. So hopefully people will say that, yeah, these, these stories were fun and they still are.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, speaking at least for Charles, myself, you have brought us a lot of solace. I can say, uh, reading your books. They've been fun. They brought me back to that theater, and I can't wait uh, for them to keep doing that for years to come. So thank you. All right. Much appreciated. All right. Now, before we let you get out of here, uh, go ahead tell our listeners, where can they find you online? Where can they order these great books? Uh, where can they get uh, more thoughts from you? Okay. A
0: uh, bunch of stuff that's out this year or has come out. Um, uh, the, uh, the most recent uh, Star Wars comic, that i did will be out uh, in october i guess it is uh that's that's the star wars adventures annual i did for idw that was the first luke and leia story i ever wrote oh, wow. uh that uh, that's that's in a a compendium called uh, star wars adventures i think it's volume eight uh pop and circumstance is the subtitle uh but that is uh that is out then also uh out for star wars this year marvel put out the third of the knights of the old republic collections that completes the uh, the cycle of epic collections for Star Wars uh, for the Knights of the Old Republic, so people can get that entire 1,280-page thing in these three editions. Uh, and so, uh, you know, also uh, out this year, as I've mentioned, uh, you know, the Star Trek novel Enterprise War, uh, I have uh, another uh, graphic novel coming out, a collected edition coming out later this year uh, for the, uh, it's the uh, comic series I wrote for the 40th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica, the original. Uh, and that will be out uh, in uh, in stores uh, from Dynamite Press. Uh, I also wrote a couple of uh, original graphic novels that are in stores now uh, for other Disney properties this year. Uh, I wrote original stories based on the movies uh, for Dumbo and The Lion King. Wow. So uh, oh. those are out. Those are both out from Dark Horse, uh, and uh, those are a lot of fun, too. And uh, as our, I, it has been already announced that I'm doing another, another Star Trek Discovery novel. So Man, When do you uh, that's sleep? 20, that's, uh, well, I haven't had much lately, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll be working on that. Uh, but people can find me on farawaypress.com. That's, that's where all those uh, notes are on the Star Wars and Star Trek books, as well as other things. Uh, They can find me on Twitter, JJMFarAway, and on Facebook as well. I'm just John Jackson Miller. Uh, And uh, until then, uh, next time, uh, may the force live long and prosper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's the perfect end. On that, I got to say, we're going to go out, uh, so that'll do it. Friends, for this week's episode of The Living Force, if you are new to this show and you enjoyed what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every week to hear mostly just us at Uteni talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. Go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes to help people find us and head over to Uteni.com for reviews, articles, and book profiles on every single story, some written by John Jackson Miller in the Star Wars Galaxy. If you're looking to buy some of these books he just talked about and you want to help support the show... Go ahead and look up those books on Utini, click the Amazon link on the profile, and we'll get a couple cents to help keep the lights on. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on patreon.com utini, where you can join our lovely patrons. If you want your thoughts on this show, for a normal show we will talk about them, email us at livingforcepod at utini.com, tweet at us at livingforcepod, or join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com discord. Finally, you can find us hosts on Twitter. I am at Eric Eilerson, Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD, Charles Zetzc Hankel, and a special thank you as always to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Freddie, our producer, Wes, our community manager, thank you to John and Charles for podcasting with me today, and as always, may the force be with you and prosper.
2: There is no hatred, there is joy.